welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McKnight. And today on the show, we're talking about how to get ready to settle a property. And this is specifically for a new build, because this is one of the biggest risks at the moment in the property market, right, Andrew? Absolutely. It's interesting times out there at the moment, because lending criteria has got much, much harder. And of course, you've got builds which were delayed and so things are taking longer than the normal 12 months that it would take to build something and people are finding that their pre-approvals are lapsing and they're having to reapply and they may no longer meet the criteria. In fact, I'll give you an example of some investors that I work with. So these guys were onto their second or third investment property through Opus and signed up for a property in Auckland. It has taken longer than expected to finish the project. It's now in the final stages and they wrote to me and said, hey, look, we might have a bit of a situation here. Our pre-approval ends in June, which we're now in, and we're going to have to reapply. And we no longer meet the bank's criteria because she's had to change jobs and her income is different now. There's a bonus component rather than it being factored into the salary, and there was some there was some other change. But all of this amounted to the fact that they wouldn't get an approval now to be able to settle the property that they signed up for 18 months ago. And I suppose the tension there is that you've got an unconditional contract, you're legally obligated to settle, but it can get a bit harder. So what we're going to talk about today is the things that you can do to get ready to settle. And I think this is going to be really important because, you know, Andrew is right, the banks have tightened up servicing criteria, so the test rates have gone up. I remember ANZ only 12 months ago was about 5.8%. Today it's got a 7 in front of it. Some banks are tougher on debt-to-income ratios and, of course, triple CFA, which has changed how they're going to treat your expenses. For example, when you buy an investment property. In the past, they wouldn't factor in your rates and insurance as costs. Today, they are. But I know as well, Andrew, it's not just banks changing their lending criteria. It's also life events, right? Yeah. I mean, so in that example, one of them had changed jobs, but actually one of the other property partners had an investor that they were working with that wanted to have a chat to me recently. And so they too wanted to get out of a contract that they signed up for when unconditional paid the deposit and just wanted to get my input as to how to get out of that contract. So I, I caught up with them on Zoom a couple of weeks ago and basically everything in their life has changed. So, well, so much has changed in their life. So his job is still the same, but they've just had an additional child added to the family. So now they've got two dependents rather than the one. But of course, their wife has stopped working. And while the intention of, of her was to go back to work if they had another child, she can only go back at reduced hours now. That And of course, they had to upgrade the car because they needed a big family car. So they got more debt, another child, and lower income. Ah, so that's where, those are three big life that changes. That's the trifecta. <laughs> well, especially the car debt as well is going to have- that's a biggie. How much was it ballpark? About 20 I grand? Think it was about 25,000 from memory, just ballpark. But then you've got a higher interest rate, perhaps a shorter term. shorter term. It can be quite difficult. So let's now transition across and talk about, well, what do you actually do about it? How do you protect yourself in this situation? And what do you reckon is number one, Andrew? Well, I think the biggest thing that you can do is start thinking about this early. And when I said start thinking about it early, if you've got an approval in place, you probably don't have to do much else. But if you're coming up to the end of your approval period, say you're three months out, then you might start to think about it rather than think about it the week before. Or similarly, if you've, if you've had a change in circumstances, start talking to your mortgage broker as early as possible. And in fact, I not so long ago had, because I deal with all this part of the, the business, I had one of the property partners rang me up about one of their investors and wanting to get out of the contract, but it was the weakest settlement. 
They wanted to get out of that contract the week of settlement. The code of compliance and dialogue were just issued. They had five days to settle. I said, there's not a chance. They have to buy that property. If they don't, they're going to be in default. That We're not going to find another buyer in that time. We're not going to be able to find another an alternate lender. We don't have enough time. And was the situation there that they just waited so long before applying for finance that they just ran out of time? And then once they had done it, one of the banks or the first bank that they applied to said no? I actually think in this case, the people could have settled, but they probably just a bit nervous with the current media that they decided, actually, we don't want to go ahead with this now and thought they could just ring up and say, would you mind just getting us out of that? Doesn't work like that. Well, not when it's an unconditional contract. I think the other thing is trying to get approved for the maximum time you can. So let's say that you've got a new build underway and you're 10 months out from that settling. Well, could you try and get a 12-month pre-approval? Now, that would mean that you would then be able to lock in your current situation, get it all pre-approved as long as nothing material changes. Hey, you're going to be sweet for settlement. Give yourself a bit of that peace of mind. You don't have to wait a month beforehand before you go ahead and apply for finance. But what I would also say is, let's say your plan is to get a 12-month pre-approval, I'd be a bit cautious about getting one if you're 12 months out from completion. Now, the reason I say that is, of course, build delay. So let's say you're 12 months out from when you expect your property is going to be completed and settled. So you go ahead, you get your 12-month pre-approval in place, all gravy. But then there's a build delay. Oh God, we can't get our hands on any jib at the moment. It's going to be an extra month. Well, because of that, you're going to have to reapply for finance. But you might not know that those delays are going to happen until perhaps you're one, two, three months out from settlement. So, yep, you can apply for a longer term pre-approval, but just be careful about when you do it so that even if there is a bill delay, you're still going to have that finance locked in. And I think there's one other important thing too, Andrew. I think the third one is to just, again, be proactive and talk to your mortgage broker regularly. And maybe it's just once a month, find out, you know, has anything changed in your application? Are there any dates that you need to be aware of? Do you need to start thinking about cancelling credit cards, which you can only cancel them if you've got them paid off, letting them know if you've taken on any more debt and just being really, really careful about your spending habits before applying for finance, making sure that you're not spending extra money that's going to count against you later on down the track when you are applying. And I think just going back to that mortgage broker and the application piece, there's one other trick that I knew in the back of my head, but I just saw it in action the other day for an investor. So these investors had changed jobs and they were worried that they weren't going to be able to get their finance, but they were actually already approved, but the the approval was about to expire. Ella from Catalyst had a great trick. So long as you've got the title reference, you could actually order the loan documents. So what that meant is the title reference had been issued, so the bank could formalise the loan documents. That gave the client an additional 12 months to get the documents signed. So 12-month approval, 12 months to get the documents signed. So 24 months in total, which is way more than the, the investors actually need. But that little trick up your sleeve with a broker that understands buying investments or buying owner-occupied property off plans will set you apart from just a regular Joe Public. I suppose the other thing as well is specifically asking that advisor, what do I have to do? Now, here's the thing. If you've got high income, low expenses, you probably can take on a bit more debt before settlement. You might not have to cancel your credit cards if you're in a really strong position. But if you're more marginal, that's where you'd want to say, well, what do I have to do? Do I need to just be a little bit careful, maybe not make any larger purchases going down shopping at the wee Freedom Furniture Store over the next three months, that could count against you. Or 
you know, deciding that actually, no, I'm not going to take out that car loan today. I'll settle this property. Then I'll look at how I might be able to purchase that. Having those conversations with the broker, I think is most important because what you don't want is to get a month out from settlement, apply for your finance, and then you've got to disclose to them, oh, I took out an extra 10K credit card and I took out a 20 grand loan and, you know, these kinds of things. And I mean, you laugh, Andrew, but it actually happens. Absolutely. And, you know, life can just put spanners in the works. You think about situations like separations, for example, all of a sudden you've got one applicant rather than two applicants. Do you know any of those type of situations, Ed? Andrew, I told you not to talk about that on the podcast. (laughs) So let's talk about, don't you look so smug with yourself, Andrew? So what happens if you can't settle your property? Look, the worst case scenario, of course, is lose your deposit. You paid a 10% deposit, a 5% deposit, 7.5%, whatever you've you've negotiated with the developer, most often 10%. In the worst case, if you don't settle, you're going to lose that. But there are some alternatives as well. Look, you can nominate the contract if you're able to find somebody who's willing to take that contract over from you. So a good example of that that I saw recently is uh, an investor that I know of is not in a position to be able to settle. He rang up his friend and said, I'll do you a deal. Give me $5,000. I'll give you this contract. Signed up for a year ago. I've made $50,000. Give me $5,000. You can have it. What did he say? He said, yeah, I'll take it. Oh, why didn't so he come see me? The con- nominated the contract to, to his friend. His friend made 45 grand. He made five grand. Everyone's happy. Oh, how good. That'd probably cover the interest costs on the deposit if he <laughs> yeah. borrowed it. I think the other thing as well is you can always settle and sell. So let's say you've got the ability to settle the property, but for whatever reason you then want to sell it, which to be honest is not advisable most of the time. Reason being that then you've got to pay bright line on any gains. You've got to pay a real estate agent. You've got to pay additional lawyer's fees. So while it might look like you're going to make an amount of money, that can quickly dwindle once you pay your real estate agent and pay the tax ban. But you've also got to be aware that there are sometimes clauses in your contract with a new build, which means you can't just settle and sell straight away. I know one developer has in their contract that there is a three-month stand-down period between when you settle the property and when you can next go ahead and sell it. And the reason they have that in the contract is? Well, they might be holding on to the last 20% of their units, planning to sell them all at the end at the highest possible price, all nicely furnished and then you come in and undercut them and sabotage their sales. You know, and I do think it's very important to look at the long term in this as well, right? Yeah, I think that particularly at the moment, as that investor I was talking about before who just had a kind of a change of heart, was a bit panicked and a bit spooked by the current market, they sort of thought, oh God, I'm going to have to make contributions much higher than I originally expected. Yeah, you probably are over the short term. But look, let's face it, it's this or something else, and unless you've got another plan for your retirement, just suck the sand on it. And I think the other thing on that as well is I can understand where people who ran the numbers initially on lower interest rates, lower over the long term as well, you know, might get spooked when you see maybe a 5.2% if it's the two-year rate at the moment, you know, and then looking at, oh gosh, this is quite different from what I thought would be the case. But of course, remember, you can still do things like I was talking to an investor the other day, and I said, well, get your broker to go go back and see if you can get one of those discounted back my build rates with ANZ and then it doesn't matter that the rates are higher over the next couple of years because you've got a discounted rate and by the time that rolls off hopefully the rates will be back down to a more normal level. And I suppose the other thing is that you're probably going to be tested on 7% and P&I on a reduced term, you know, principal and interest sort of reduced term, but you're more likely to be paying a lower interest rate and also be on interest rate. So look, I think the key message here is tackle it early. If you've got something under contract, did you build under contract? 
don't pat yourself on the back too much until you actually settle it. I always say to some of the financial advisors and investors I see, you haven't made anything through a property until you settle it. You've actually got to settle the property before you feel good about any equity gains you've had in there. And it's really important that you start thinking about this early. And do just be careful of taking on additional commitments from the point where you sign up to buy a new build to when you sign up for that contract and when you'll eventually settle that. Really important. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're looking to expand your property portfolio, you might like to come and see us for a portfolio planning session. Easy way to sign up, pull out your phone, send us a text, 5522 is the number, text us the word plan. And I tell you what, we'll give you a buzz, see if it's the right fit for you. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most of the use of the property market. Until next time.